everybody get ready for Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. A foodie born and bred, my wife Nikki loves chatting up chefs, dining out, and insider industry buzz. And my husband David thinks a great meal is nothing but a good burger, a frosty brew, and a check for under $20. Because he is cheap. Well, maybe so, but foodie married beast anyway. And together we've got the food and wine variety show that has everyone talking. It's Foodie and the Beast, and we are on now. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. Yes, I'm back. It's about time. I don't know. know, I actually kind of like doing the show uh, without you. Because you're a narcissist. I'm not a narcissist. I think the show was better. Andy, wasn't the show better without him? Andy. You're afraid of me. Okay. I injured my back in a mud wrestling accident with Nikki, but I'm back and happy to be here. So we got a great show today. There's an event coming up that really does deserve your attention. It'll bring together a panel of hospitality industry industry leaders. They're going to discuss efforts. Maybe you're out of practice here. Quiet. Mm -hmm. To make restaurants and bars more welcoming to persons choosing to cut back or abstain completely from drinking. It's all about substance abuse. Okay, I feel like that doesn't gel really well with the rest of our show today. I know, we're going to be drinking wine. (laughs) And booze. Uh, Amanda Hoey of Wild Heart Media is in to talk all about that. Um, And I guess I should say going, going, gone. uh, Iconic DC sports bar Buffalo Billiards is going out of business. They're leaving. They didn't renew their lease. Uh, they're having a farewell party on the 24th from noon until closing. But what's cool is that bar items are being auctioned off online and they'll be auctioned off there too, I believe, with a percentage of proceeds that'll benefit so others might eat. Uh, and uh, Jeff Dawson, who is Billiard's uh, co-owner and one of the founders, will be on with us on the phone. Stable restaurant owner Sylvan Kramer is here. He always dreamed of opening a restaurant together with his buddy David Fritchie, who's a chef. They're both chefs. Yeah? Am I right? Okay. I am right. Um, And uh, uh, Sylvan is here to tell us all about it because uh, uh, the rep on it is great, and I want to hear more. Um, Also joining us is V, Veronica Kunkel. Where are you? The, She's right there. So they, it doesn't matter. Nobody sees you? her. You can keep talking. All right. Veronica is a psalm who uh, also works very hard to elevate women in the wine world uh, and to uh, make sure that wine education is available to those of us who are not really wine pros and we're, we're the uninitiated. So she looks to make wine um, accessible and understandable to but us. But also, she's elevating women in wine, which I'm very excited to talk to her about. I think that's going to be amazing. Well, you just bring a step stool and you can do that. <laughs> Thank you. And if it has to do with wine and spirits and more, the guy you want to know at the new Conrad Washington, D.C. is Nick Helberg. He's the beverage director there, and he's in with Taste and Talk of all there is to enjoy at D.C.'s newest and very cool Hotel downtown. I mean, you say very cool. You haven't been there. I've been. I have been there. I just haven't been. I haven't been up to the summit. No, you have not been up to summit. So okay. I shall summit. Okay. All right. So first, we're going to go to Mitch Berliner at Central Farm Markets. Are you on the phone, Mitch? Are you there? I am indeed. Hello, Mitch. I'm sorry the people in the studio can't hear you. Mm. So what is happening? Um, It's a hot day out there. What's happening at the market? Well, first of all, I'm so glad you guys are back together on the air to hear all the warmth. Between you, oh. just, thanks, Mitch. I'm I about mean, to, I'm about to cry. She nursed, she but nursed anyway. me back to health. Yeah, I'm a really. I good mean, the nurse. phrase, oh. the phrase, "Get over it," really helps. <laughs> <laughs> Suck it up, That's, Nurse Nikki. All right. Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, so here's what we've got going. Mm-hmm. Um, something that's way out of the ordinary. We have fresh strawberries today from huh. Toygo. It's an unusual variety. 
I was going to say, strawberries are over in May. How do you have strawberries now? Right. Yeah, it's it's called Albion, Mm A-L-B-I-O-N. It's a very unusual, smallish and super sweet strawberry. I assumed they were growing them in their greenhouse, but I was wrong. They're actually field-grown, and uh, they're fabulous. So that's a nice little treat. Okay. And among that, we have six varieties of plums, eight varieties of melons, peaches, Hey, Nectarines. let me ask you a question, now, Mitch. Mitch, yeah, what do sure. you think about, yes. like, with your stone fruits that are available now and tomatoes now? We're in middle of August. What do you think our, our ETA to enjoy this is? Do you think we'll have stone fruits through mid-September? Do you think we'll have tomatoes until October? Like, where do you think we are? Your All expert right. well, opinion. We'll what do you think is going to happen? Well, I know exactly what's going to happen. We're going to have stone fruit probably uh, through the middle of October, because there's a late variety called Zephyr nectarines Uh that are one of my favorites. It's a white nectarine. But now that you bring that up, it's a perfect time with the free stones Uh to can and freeze and make your jams. Uh And and this is it. So I highly, highly uh, recommend to uh, all your listeners to go out in the middle of the winter to have those frozen peaches available and everything. It's just a terrific thing. I'm thinking. And, uh, so I. I was going to say I'm yeah. thinking with climate change we're going to have tomatoes into December. Okay, he, you know who he is. You'll right. be able to as teach the penguins December, to pick them the, for him. This is the Debbie Downer well, at the actually, table. Actually, mm. we do. Mm-hmm. We do have tomatoes because of the greenhouses. Greenhouses, of course. right? Yeah. Um, through through the end of December, then they need to pull all the plants out, replant them, and we'll have them back in February. I'll take it. So we have. Heirloom tomatoes, organic from Toygo, at all four markets, available almost year-round. All right. And um, I'll just tell you about one more thing that we're going to do. Quickly, quickly. Where I think you have, okay, we had Josh on, and I think you should have him on your show and talk about our farm to altar that we're going to be doing. So people can come to the market, pick out their favorite things, and come up with recipes, and you can have Mm. a real Farm to table, farm to altar wedding. All so, right, everybody, go to sit. Well, I want to make sure everybody thank knows you. to go to centralfarmmarkets.com to get all the information about what's going on there. See, I all did right. your bit. Thank you. Visit us at all four markets. All right, all buddy. Right. Thanks, Mitch. Suck it up. All right. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> all right, Bye. Nick Helberg. Hey, Nick. You hello. You are a man at the center of a. A hot show, the Conrad okay. Washington. I've DC. I've been told by many you people. You can lift that mic up. That helps. So, you out. How, I mean, how would you get to be what you are and get to the Conrad? What's yes, the, how did that happen? It's it's been a bit of a process. Mm-hmm. Um, it always is. Well, I've been in D.C. for about three years now, coming up on three years. Before that, I was ten years on and off in Boston. Um, I sort of started off, I kind of went backwards from how I think a lot of people get into the restaurant industry. So I started off on the production side very briefly uh in new york working at a, a small like homemade wine center cool. um which was an, an awesome grounding and introduction into sure. that side of the world and then i when i moved back to boston after school i um uh started off working in the off-premise world at a very cool very old family-owned wine and spirit shop in the little italy neighborhood in boston's north end and then from there i sort of uh, went out of my way to make the switch over into the much more intensely stressful world of <laughs> on-premise uh, liquor and, and I noticed you brought your sleeping bag with you, so that must Indeed. be. 
<laughs> that must be. All but right. what was it that you were looking to do as I, you were changing, making that change? Well, I, coming out of a beverage background from the very beginning, I definitely wanted to keep my fingers in that world. And it, it wasn't long before I, uh, I got involved in actually running a beverage program, my first beverage program that mm-hmm. I was part of administering at a restaurant called Moo, which is a terrific little steakhouse at the 15 Beacon Hotel in Boston, mm-hmm. which was also my introduction to working in hotels. And I love that name. That's a I great know. name. Oh, yeah. It really screams vegetarian friendly. Yeah. Right, right, yeah. right, right. Yeah. Um, if you're a cow, you're not going to pick that restaurant. Yeah. I, no. uh, uh, well, but here's here's the question, yeah. because we're, we're, first of all, we're going to have you on the show several times and at the end to, to talk, because we really want to dig into the Conrad but you are in charge of of developing all of the the cocktail menus, and you, you make all the wine selections. Correct. I like to think that I am the chief curator of the entire experience, Good way to and, put and it. I'm I'm not going to come on here and say that I this is me and I go it alone. I, I hardly uh, I, it wouldn't wouldn't be possible with a program of the mm-hmm. size and a space the size of what we're working with to do that. And uh, there's an endless number of shout outs that could be offered to my really spectacular team over there. We have, uh, we have uh, an entire uh, sub department under me working on the wine program with two fantastic sommeliers. And we have a really spectacular bar team that's very creative and very talented. And we have a lead bartender who coordinates all of that on my behalf as well. So uh, it's, a, it's a huge team effort, but I, I do sit sort of just at the very top of that. Well, you're here to be the drinks guy today. What's the first thing you're going to pour? First thing we've got is uh, one of these very cool little copper kettles uh, sitting next to me. They uh, are Full cool. of a, just a perfectly crafted, very classic Aperol spritz, which I think is, uh, I wanted to treat the, the four drinks that I brought today like sort of a, a menu structure in and of themselves. And mm-hmm. I think that the the spritz is really the most iconic. Let's get spritzing. Right, let's get spritzed. All right. Let's do it. So while you're doing that, we're going to turn to Amanda Hoey because uh, Monday the 26th is your panel discussion uh, addressing substance abuse and addiction in the hospitality industry. Yes. And you've got quite a thing. So I'm going to turn it over to you. Why don't you tell us okay. the kind of the who, what, when, where, and why of it? Absolutely. Um, so as you mentioned, I... Um, came up with this idea um, through my own experience working um, very closely with the hospitality industry. And as a person in recovery, I noticed that I was confronting unique challenges daily that were pretty different from other workplaces, um, as restaurants can be places where addiction, unfortunately, can thrive and be attributed to as part of the culture. So it started, I just wanted to bring that into the forefront, especially because I was only scratching the surface of the experience of people well, working in restaurants daily. For the uninitiated, I mean, let's talk about it. working in a kitchen or at a bar in a restaurant is high pressure, high pressure, Absolutely. long hours, and the things to which you can get addicted are, I mean, certainly everything's in- there. It's, it's all right there. there. The you. alcohol's there, and you're um, allowed to shift drink. Like th- these things are kind of encouraged and accepted. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but what do you think that is about shift drink? I mean, I know, I know where it started, yeah. but like today, do people still, is it still something that's expected? I'm not sure, but I think like having a, a drink on shift is not something that anyone would bat an eye at. Um, well, it's considered a, a, a perk. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, conceptually. Absolutely. You know, I mean, if you're working at, uh, you know, McDonald's and they yeah. say at your break, you can have a burger, you know, you, you take, you take what's it. free. Exactly. Right. 
Um, and then it kind of evolved because I started noticing this larger national conversation of people that were choosing not to drink for other reasons, mm-hmm. um, being wellness or, you know, other medical issues. And so I decided let's make this bigger and let's include more voices and perspectives. So I've um, somehow got this like rock star panel of people that are really moving the needle on this both um, nationally and regionally here in D.C., um, that really represent the range of why people are not drinking, whether that's forever or just for the night or for like a month. So who'd you bring in? Who's going to be on the um, panel? It's being moderated by Julia Bainbridge, and mm-hmm. she has written extensively on this topic for Bon Appetit and Wall Street Journal and other publications. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's just really thoughtful and is going to guide this conversation. Um, and then we have Derek Brown, president mm-hmm. of Drink Company, that... Um, has the famous, now famous, pop-up bar and Shaw and mm-hmm. Columbia Room. And he's been very vocal about this topic, about um, it's kind of the restaurant's job to give, he likens it to more than a vegetarian, like a vegetable plate to a vegetarian. Mm-hmm. There are other options that we can give people that are choosing not to drink at the restaurant to make them feel more part of the hospitality experience. And also to encourage them yeah, n- not necessarily exactly. to drink. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and then to round it out, uh, we've got Nikki Blank, who is a producer of Switchel, which is being used um, very widely now as either an alcohol alternative or a mixer in a cocktail or a mocktail, just to represent um, where people, where the producers are coming in to fill the gap mm-hmm. and make more interesting cocktails or mocktails. Mm-hmm. Um, and then lastly, Laura Silverman, who is associated with Sands Bar, which is a national organization trying to start pop-ups of more social spaces where alcohol is just not served at all. Okay, um, we're going to take a quick break. Yeah. When we come back, we'll talk about how people can get tickets to this yeah. event and what you hope the outcomes are. Cool. This is David and Nikki Nellis with Feeding the Beast. We'll be back in just a sec. All right, we're back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. We're talking to Amanda Hoey about her incredible, it's really a, a, a great a, event, an all star panel mm-hmm. discussing sobriety in the yes. hospitality industry and the, I guess, the, the causes and the possible solutions and all of that. Yes. Uh, there's one other guy who's going to be on your panel. Yes, he was supposed to be here today. And a local hero. Fortunately, sick. Chef Ashish Alfred, he is the chef of Duck Duck Goose. There's one in Baltimore and Bethesda and mm-hmm. George's Chop House. Um, he is also in recovery. Um, he has been incredibly brave with his story and being open and vulnerable with it. It's brave just to admit you're in recovery. Absolutely. Um, so he is just going to bring a much needed perspective of somebody actually day to day in a restaurant and his cha- what his challenges have been and how he's overcome them and an idea of how people in upper management at restaurants can really support um, staff that is either trying to get sober or trying to stay sober. Uh, we want to get from you, how, you know, the who, what, when, all yes. of, now we already know the who, but the, you know, the how to get tickets and Absolutely. all. But will the, will the audience be able to participate? Will there be questions taken yep. from the audience? Yeah, I really want it to be something, um, I've geared it towards industry so we can really make a change. It's mm-hmm. not just we have a discussion. I want um, people to really talk about ideas and bring it back into their restaurant and implement it. So yes, we'll have the conversation and then there will be time for cool. discussion and questions um, with the panel. How do we get tickets? Yep. You can register uh, on Eventbrite. It is free, but you must register. And I've shared the link with you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's on the list. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's at El Techo, which is in Shaw. It mm-hmm. will be a week from tomorrow, the August 26th from 7 to 9 p.m. Excellent. All right. Well, it sounds like an amazing discussion. I mean, you got to be commended looking... for 
Come forward to hearing what the outcomes are. Thank you so it. much, guys. Excellent. Thanks for Thank having you. me. Thanks so much for coming in. All right. Well, back to Nick Helberg, who made a hell of a... See see how I did well, that? Well, so, but Aperol spritzes are sort of in the line because they are a lower yes. ABV alcohol, right? Definitely. How, well, let's talk about, you know, sugar and carb. I mean, sure. is it... Is it, is it why? Do we have it's to? Do we have three, to know sugar? I don't, I don't want to know. I don't want to know. As it gets, we start off with, um, we, we actually, we do our Aperol spritzes. This is a drink that we feature on the menu at Summit, which is the rooftop bar at uh, the Conrad Hotel. Uh, and up there, this is one of the drinks that we do on our draft lines, actually. So I think the biggest mistake that you can make with something like this is there's only three ingredients and there's a very simple ratio to them. Just simply Prosecco, Aperol, which is a bittersweet rhubarb forward Italian before or after dinner cordial mm -hmm. and uh, soda water. Uh, but if, if you put them out of balance, you can end up with something that does taste super sugary. And we what avoid is that. the other than like the marketing ploy mm -hmm. of, you know, having batched made drinks? What's the what's the advantage of having it like batched and ready and coming out of a stream. well no matter who who's going to make it whether it's uh it's any one of our handful of bartenders working up there or if it's myself or my colleague derek mm -hmm. um one of the other managers they're stepping behind to we pull one Derek's. of these drinks mm -hmm. uh it's going to be exactly the same right so the consistency 100 consistency. so are you so you brought these like Cisterns? I don't know yeah. what to call that. What is that called? It's a. It's called a U keg from a company called Growler Works. And okay, so uh, it, yeah, looks it looks like, like a growler. It looks like yeah. a really pretty growler. Yeah. Yep. An upscale can, growler. But exactly. it has a spigot. It has a. Um, it has a, a little carbonator in the cap that uses a, just a small, like model rocket sized, um, sixteen gram CO two cartridge to pressurize the keg and let you keep the whatever's inside, which it's intended for beer, but in this case the cocktail mm -hmm. uh, at the right carbonation so, without losing but, it. But not all cocktails are carbonated. So oh, what no. if you don't have a carbonated cocktail? You don't need to use that. Uh, I I wouldn't. Okay. Um, it wouldn't be worth the the effort the, the effort for sure. it. Yeah, okay. you can certainly put something else in there and use a, a different kind of gas that won't create bubbles like uh, argon or nitrogen, but mm -hmm. I don't have any of those at the moment. Okay. I've had gas We'll work like on that. that. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So right. what did you make next for us? Next up is the aloe there, um, which is uh, a You're Bacardi. a punster. Uh, uh, Come back well, to the show anytime with those. Uh, okay. I appreciate that. <laughs> <clears throat> That's uh, a mix of uh, Bacardi Superior White Rum, Chiro uh, Aloe Liqueur, which is a fairly new product out of California, with a, a little bit of a minty eucalyptusy kind of a note mm -hmm. um, that you get when you when you yeah, add it's aloe super to herbaceous. sugar. Yeah, uh, just a little hint of Fernet Branca for for a little bit more herbal kick, mm -hmm. and uh, just a pinch of salt, a bit of lemon. And too, sugar. I like that. Yeah, nice. it's lovely. Great, thank mm -hmm. you. All right, thanks so of much. You're going to turn me into a cocktail guy here right. in a minute. And please, if anybody else wants some in studio. All right. Go ahead and have well, we're going to go now. Now we have a very sad subject to discuss. Uh, Jeff Dawson's on the phone. Jeff, are you there? Yes, I am. Hey, I David, mean, how are you? The dancing uh, crab is gone, and now Buffalo Billiards. Uh, well, there's I a mean, couple things closing. It. It's not just that. I know, but I'm never going to Tenley again. I'm going to I'm going to drive around it. Um, <laughs> so, so I mean, let's talk about you know. I mean, Buffalo Billiards is closing. We're going to talk about the farewell party and all that, but. When you opened it up, there really weren't any billiards halls in Washington to speak of. Yeah, let's of. get a little bit of the and history of it. it became kind of a cool, hip place to be. Yeah, well, so my uh, my cousin married a pool shark, and he used to take me up to Baltimore. And 
showed me how to well how I would lose money, but how he made money. Mm-hmm. Um, and I fell in love with the game and and uh, came back to D.C. where we only had uh, a little table at Dan's Cafe, which is one of those bars that's that's still hanging in there. Right and in Adams Morgan, right? In Adams Morgan, yep. Mm-hmm. And uh, we needed pool tables, so my partner Mark Handwerger and I um, opened Bedrock Billiards, then Atomic, and then really went big with Buffalo Billiards, which had 31 tables when we I, opened. I remember taking dates to Atomic to show them how cool I was that I knew <laughs> the in place. Uh, you mm-hmm. can still do that. <laughs> I'm married now. Nikki doesn't care how cool I am. That's over. Well, because it's all a ploy, as you know. Yeah, it is. So what was it, do you think, about pool at the time? Because it wasn't a real, you know, part of the D.C. culture, and you guys sort of turned that around and made it a part of the D.C. culture. Yeah, I think the thing, really what we discovered is that it was something to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's fueled the future, um, you know, bars that we opened. Pool was required more skill than um, some people were ready to, to commit. So we started adding shuffleboard and pop a shot, ping pong, um, board games, and really just provided, you know, great date places and great casual fun environments. Yeah, but there was something more to Buffalo. Buffalo Buffalo wasn't a seedy, you know, when you think of a pool hall, you think of, you know, a dump, you know, in the movies and all that. Buffalo was, (laughs) it was bright and it was was clean. It was clean. Yeah. And the pool tables were in great shape. Yeah. Right. And you had a chef. (laughs) We had a chef. We had Steve Batt, who went on to uh, run the program at Miriam's Kitchen. Mm -hmm. Um, But he was, he was serving organic local you know, sourced food before anybody knew what that meant. Um, and it was cool. I mean, it really was, It, it you know, everybody's worried, ooh, pool, uh, you know, trouble right. in River City and all that. But <laughs> we we put a, a, a legitimate face on it. That's and true. really created a community. Well, the only people that said trouble in River City is the people that knew Music Man. So, but... Uh, you put out some numbers, uh, and, and first of all, it's great that you're selling off, auctioning off the bar items to help so others might eat. I mean, that's very generous. Um, but I can't get past you. You provided uh, some numbers, Buffalo Billiards by the numbers. Uh, you sold yeah. 10,862,941 beers in the years that it was open. That. I mean, I mean, you were open 104,125 hours, but the best one is... That, uh, that that you know of, 11 babies were made because of Buffalo Billiards. I don't want to ask if they were made there. because I that, do. Were they made there? Where were they made? What else is a pool table for? You know, we, there, there's some questions we don't ask. Um, okay, I'm asking. That's what I do. My job, Jeff, is to ask the we're, questions. That's right. We're journalists, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> we are responsible for so many more kids. Um, you know, people who met there, people who went on their first date uh, mm-hmm. there and then um, ended up getting married or just, you know, making babies, whatever it is. Um, but how but did you I, find I out? Did we, they call up and say, hey, Jeff, the next day we, we, we made a baby, Jeff? <laughs> oh, yes, right. <laughs> okay. We paid, what kind uh, of research went into that? Is yeah, what we're just I, sort of yeah. curious, that's all. <laughs> it's uh, really, um, it's, over the years, it's the number of people who have said, oh, my God, I went on my first date, you know, there, and now we're married and we have kids. And oh, so they didn't make a baby on their first date. Um, um, well, do you know well, maybe they didn't follow um, our yeah. trajectory. <laughs> <laughs> I looked at her and we you made babies. <laughs> uh, so, Jeff, tell us, how are you guys closing this out? You're going out with a big bang. Let's hear how you're doing it. Well, we're having a, a huge throwdown on Saturday, open to, to the public. Um, and we're just going to, you know, from, from noon until 
the you know the last bell rings. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to be giving away some beers and T-shirts and all kinds of junk that that you know we just you know give people something to remember us um, mm-hmm. by. Hopefully, like, like and then what are they called? Ball like the pool balls. They're called. Billiard balls. She was afraid to say the word balls. Well, I wanted to make sure I was saying the right word. <laughs> right. Well, that's what they are. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you nailed it. <laughs> okay, great. Um, so, yeah, we, and, uh, and really just a way to say thank you to, you know, the, the people who have supported us over the years. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's really no, been an, an amazing community. All right. So if people want to know about the auction that's going on, where do mm-hmm. they find info for that? Uh, it's at um, it's online auctions, um, and and it's uh, there is a link on our website. It's on the website. As well. Okay, give me your it's website, please. Capital Capital Online Auctions. Okay. And if they go there, um, they'll find a, a link to it as well. Okay, um, and, and where? That will go through Monday, I believe, and then pick up uh, items is Tuesday and Wednesday. Great. And then where can people? Other than obviously the list, are you want to com? Like, do do they need to like RSVP to come to the event next week or just show up? Just show up. Just show up. Show up early and stay. You know, stay, stay all, all day. day. All right. Can you give everybody? Well, wait, the- yeah, I just want to say, if you want to make that twelfth bi- uh, baby, then you could help Buffalo Billiards go out with a bang. <laughs> But Thank I'm you glad. very much. Bada boom. Okay, oh my wait God, a minute. He's been working on that all day. That's right. Who's your okay. writer? I couldn't wait. I'm my writer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I know all right, Jeff, that. tell everybody where they can find it and uh, more information, obviously. Buffalo for the next week is at 1330 uh, 19th Street, um, just south of DuPont Circle, below mm-hmm. the soon-to-be-gone front page. Um, I feel like we so should start singing Never Say corner. Goodbye. We'll do a little Bon Jovi. No, no, do bye-bye so long, farewell. I don't know what that is. We uh, can see you in some, never mind. Okay. I, I didn't bring my band. Okay, Jeff. <laughs> All right, Jeff, thanks so much. Thanks for calling in today. Hey, great. We'll see you great next week. Great talking with you guys, as always. Well, good okay. luck with the auction. Look forward to it. Okay. Come see us. Okay. okay. Bye. All right, Bye-bye. with that, we're going to take a quick break. This is David and Nikki Nellis, Foodie and the Beast. We'll be back in just a sec. All right, we're back on a scintillating Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. Let's go back to Nick Helberg from The Conrad. I got a question. Your signature restaurant in The Conrad is... Um, Estuary. Estuary, yeah, and it's it's uh, Brian little, and... Can I just do a little well, wait disclosure? A minute. No, can you stop okay. talking for a second, please? Well, I was doing I mean, the I intro. feel like you haven't been here for a couple of weeks, so you feel like you have a lot to say, but other people have things to say as That's well. That's not true. It is. Um, so full disclosure, I do do some consulting work with mm-hmm. Nick and Estuary. I don't want people not to think that... I'm hiding something, um, but it's important to say it. So. Okay, you said it. The signature restaurant, Estuary, uh, is run by Brian and Michael Voltaggio Brian of, Michael. Of, of many restaurant fames and, mm-hmm. and also a top chef. I mean, how does the work you do dovetail with, with the menu and, you know, it's, it, the, the format or the concept for Estuary is the Chesapeake reimagined um, how does what you do dovetail with what they do there? Well, a lot of what we do with the um, with the bar programming for Estuary is we take that same sort of outlook on starting with a classic as a jumping off point and then just twisting it a little bit sideways, um, finding how we can really take a, a standard drink recipe that everybody knows, like an old-fashioned or a martini, something ultra-basic that is so easy to find everywhere, and then twist it in a way that's uh, going to present something completely new and unexpected to the person who's imbibing. So and in what, like, let's give an example. 
we have a, a cocktail that I did not bring today um, okay. called the Prohibition Break, which mm -hmm. starts off as a, as a martini build with Plymouth gin, which is one of my favorite martini gins to begin with. Mm -hmm. um, and then you, you add in several varieties of vermouth, but we've, A, gone away from the dry vermouth and uh, incorporated uh, two fortified aperitif wines that have a little bit of sweetness to them. Mm -hmm. And then just a little bit of... Uh, basically orange triple sec. Uh, so it has a lot more floral now. It has a lot more florality. It mm -hmm. is much uh, more creamy kind of texture. I, I almost hate to use that word because I think it's going to give some people the wrong impression about what the well, drink's going to be like. Well, because you don't think of like, gin as creamy or martini, so. right, yeah. as creamy. What it is is it's extremely mellow, and it's uh, it, it still has that boozy punch that I think a lot of drinkers are looking for out of their mm -hmm. martinis, but... Uh, it's a, just a radically softer and more floral. But you guys are driving experience. away from my question. The question is, do you have to go to Brian and Michael and say, this is what I'm I doing? I didn't know that was your question. What, I, it was. I asked <laughs> it. It didn't sound like it. I asked, well, you know something? Hmm. Stop. Anyways. Where we really dovetail with, uh, with the kitchen, I think, is... Chefs Brian and Michael have brought a tremendous amount of, of not just creativity, but very technical, precise know-how to their approach to the kitchen at Estuary. Um, both with the technology that they're using in the in the kitchen in the back of house for all of their prep and all of their um, recipe development, but in in how precisely they meet out their their recipes in working not by uh, volume measurements but measuring absolutely everything to the to the gram and sometimes to the fraction of a gram by working not to uh, plus or minus five degrees Fahrenheit, but to plus or minus a tenth of a degree Celsius. Um, Sounds like a chemistry test. It, okay. it very much is. We have to wrap you up. What are we pouring next? So next up we have uh, actually our twist on an old fashioned, which oh, cool. is the American Trilogy. Um, been on the menu for several months now. We really, really like it. We've uh, built it based on the old fashioned standard of bitters, uh, sugar, and whiskey, but we've split our base between uh, a rye whiskey and Laird's bonded apple brandy from the oldest distillery in the United States, distillery license number one in cool. New Jersey. All right, great. Of Thank course you. in New Jersey. Right. Uh, of course. All right. So we'll be back to Nick shortly. Uh, with us is Chef Sylvain Kramer. Um, he is one of the two owners of Stable Restaurant. And I, you were on the show when? Uh, a long time ago, a few years ago. Did when I, I was have hair then? The, or, probably yeah. not. <laughs> a little kinda, bit more. Kind of. It's been a long time, but but now you've got Stable. Yeah, first of all, talk a little bit about your background and how all this came about. So myself, I'm originally from Switzerland. So is uh, David, who is my business partner. We both um, met in... David Fritchie. David right. Fritchie, correct. Mm -hmm. So we both met in uh, 2002 in the kitchen. We both worked in Dubai and then pretty much worked together ever since. Um, we both ended up in D.C. We worked at the DuPont Circle Hotel. That's where I was here last. And then right. um, David and I um, got a bit tired of working in the corporate world, and we wanted to uh, follow our dream like of having... the opposite having, of uh, You liked it. The, you, yeah, you have reverse sort of. histories. Yeah. Okay. So we wanted to open up our own restaurant. Um, we both had the plan. So we were like, you know what? Why don't we uh, do it together? We know each other. At that time, we were like working together for 15 years. Mm-hmm. And um, then decided, you know what, there's no Swiss restaurant in D.C. or anywhere around. We're both from Switzerland. Why don't we uh, go back to our roots and try something so from back home? So for people, the uninitiated, 
what is food from Switzerland? I don't think, I mean, for people who don't know yeah, we what get the, the cuisine question is like, a lot. what is it? I mean, everything you've brought I in today. I think I know. Nobody asked you. What, <laughs> like no, everything you brought in today is everything I want to eat. Do you know awesome. what I mean? Yeah. So because Swiss food, it's, I mean, originally it started as, uh, I mean, Switzerland was a country of farmers, so it was very simple food. But then um, as it evolved, the influence from all our neighboring countries, from France, Germany, Italy, and Austria, it's where we tie all our um, culinary um, stuff from. So it's kind of a crossroad from our neighboring countries. So mm-hmm. you have a lot of French influence, Italian influence, and German influence, mm-hmm. depending on which region uh, of Switzerland you are. Okay. So how did you decide what you wanted to feature on the menu at Stable? So it's a bit of a mix, right? When we first started off, um, we uh, really had some Swiss staples which we wanted to do, which uh, were a lot of memories from from our upbringing and all that. And then um, obviously there's some classics which everybody knows, like the raclette and Mm -hmm. uh, cheese fondue, which some of our best sellers. But then um, obviously bread is a big part of Swiss um, food and Swiss culture. So David worked at the Swiss bakery. you say obviously... Bread us, is a part yes. of Swiss food and culture, but I don't think that's something that people know. So when you say, like, what kind of breads so it's, are really um, a big part of your culture? Um, all types. I mean, we definitely like darker breads. Um, mm-hmm. With dark flowers, we do a lot of, um, like, hala bread, which we call zop. It's similar to a hala, which is eaten on Saturdays and Sundays in mm-hmm. Switzerland. So we do that. It's like a braided bread. Um, we have some Berliners here, which are like uh, Swiss-style donuts filled with strawberry jam. So for breakfast, generally, we eat uh, bread and cheese and butter and jam. And for dinner, pretty much the same stuff. I mean, when you're surrounded wait, by... Wait, wait, wait. You eat the same... So dinner is super light. Yes. But it's lunch with Co- a half Correct. Guess. So what does, a, what does lunch look like in Switzerland? Um, pretty close. Like you have your starch, you have your protein, you have your vegetables, um, mm-hmm. often uh, potatoes. So we do a lot of rösti potatoes, which is kind of a Swiss-style hash brown. Mm-hmm. Then a um, lot of like uh, braised meats in the winter... Do the Swiss break after after lunch? And because t- you know, in Italy, for example, after you know everything kind of shuts down. So it for depends the two a hours. bit in which part of Switzerland you are. If you're in the Italian-speaking part, they're much more enthusiastic. When you're in the German-speaking part, it's much more structured, more like. In but Germany. when you're surrounded by Germany, France, and Italy, bread—I mean, it's it's not you know at all a stretch to think that because all those countries have great bread cultures. Correct. So, correct. I'm looking at it. And so you brought in a selection of meats as well today. Yes, correct. So what I brought is, like we call this a cafe complet, and this is a breakfast or a dinner in Switzerland. We Mm -hmm. feature it for our brunch um, on the weekends as well. So it's like a little um, spread. So you have your freshly baked bread, we have a few different types of cheeses, like a tetumon cheese, which are the little cheese flowers. I that thought, I should do you the honor of making you, a sandwich. I thought that the, um, I thought that was uh, white chocolate curls. Ah, uh, yeah, it, it kind of looks cheese, like it. It's, it's a cheese. cheese. That makes so, sense, of yeah, course. Yeah. And then um, we have some um, Schlossberger cheese uh, next to it, which mm-hmm. we uh, use in our fondue blend as well. So we do our fondue so blends in-house. Mm-hmm. Um, Landiego, which is a very traditional um, item eaten in Switzerland and Germany. Mm-hmm. Um, Erdreit beef, <laughs> big in Switzerland. Can you get out of his way? Because no, I'm, I'm making a sandwich. <laughs> I mean, the guy brought in you. food. I know. I see what's happening. Why should I, I not try? Right? right. Yeah. So this is kind of like a little uh, brunch buffet, which um, mm-hmm. yeah, which is very very common. Um, it's it's speaking my language. I mean, this is how I want to eat all the time. Yeah. I mean, it really is. Well, it's I'm beautiful. Gonna, this is the validation right here. I'm going to take he a big bite. He doesn't need your validation. <laughs> um, what, but so 
are you guys open? What is your deal? You're open brunch, lunch, and dinner. So no? we we closed for lunch throughout the week. We open for brunch Saturdays and Where Sundays. Where are you located? Uh, uh, thirteen twenty four H Street Northeast, Northeast, right, right across the street from the Atlas Theater. Okay. okay. Um, so we open for brunch Saturdays and Sundays. We start brunch service at ten thirty till uh-huh. two thirty. We start selling the breads on the weekend. So we sell uh, six, seven different types of breads from nine o'clock in the morning Saturdays and Sundays. Oh. Out of the restaurant. Do and you then bake the breads in the restaurant? Yes. You have yeah. the space for that? We make it work. Okay. It's <laughs> not a lot of I space. I mean, but H Street's places are <coughs> tiny. Yeah, we're Excuse lucky. Me. We have a uh, basement downstairs where we have a little bit of a bakery, but it's uh, it's one uh, it's one mixer. We have one prover, one oven, so it has wow. to go through a few batches. And yep. David, David is there at four in the morning on the weekend, start baking, so he's ready by nine o'clock so we can start selling breads. So he's cool. home asleep now. So we, we only have time for the last and most important question and mm-hmm. the joke. Why is the restaurant called Stable? Um, we wanted to find something um, to combine Switzerland and uh, the U.S. So stables and bonds was what came in mind, right? Shouldn't from the, the U.S. influence force you to call it unstable? Thank uh-huh. you. Possibly. It. possibly. <laughs> Tried it out on the audience earlier. Just it worked. Why don't you yeah, change the it, name of the restaurant? Lost, it, to it, unstable. It, it really did lose its. No, it didn't. It's punch. I got smiles. Go ahead. <laughs> um, so for if people are coming in for dinner, what are your recommendations for some of the things to order if they wanted to really try, like if they were in Switzerland, what they should be eating. So we have a section which is called Swiss Classics. So there's wheel Zurich style, which is a thinly sliced wheel, mushroom cream sauce, potato rösti. We got the Volovo on there, which is uh, like puff pastry shells with chicken dumplings, um, peas and carrots, obviously stable rösti. Then uh, our fondue, our raclette, it's uh, very, very popular as I'm well. not hearing anything uh, uh, italiano, though. Uh, we have uh, we have uh, pasta on the menu. Yeah. We have risotto on That's the menu. Um, in the fall, we're gonna have more like braised meats with polenta, which is more like the uh, North Italian influence. We have speck from Alto Adige from Südtirol on the menu. Um, so there's definitely some. Uh, you had me at hello. At Unfortunately, hello. <laughs> we got to move on. Tell everybody where to find Stable. Uh, we're located on 1324 H Street uh, Northeast. Excellent. Thank you so much. Thank you for bringing all this in. I want to go there. Thanks for having us. So while um, V sets up, why don't we go back to Nick, and then this way we can do the rest of the show with V, because she has to set up her wine. Does that sound good? Let's talk about the summit. Sure. Which is, I haven't been up. It's Nikki's been up there many times. It's awesome, right? It is beautiful. Uh, it is warm right now. But it is absolutely stunning. the The space came out spectacularly. It does the, get a breeze, though. It does. To be fair, it, it gets a terrific breeze. It's um. I mean, all, the, the we're, we're right in the middle. Unbelievable. Of some, yeah, what it a is. spot. We. This is not my first uh, time working with or even opening a rooftop bar. It is of everywhere that I've worked and of everywhere that I've gone in that part of the city. Um, and we're right in the middle of a whole chunk of really nice, well done rooftop bars. But our view is definitely. Beautiful. Uh, bar none, mm-hmm. the tops. What's that well, a pun? Plus, just also just quickly <laughs> explain how it like it looks because there's all these beautiful couches mm-hmm. um, and how it people really, can have access. It's a very linear space that kind of zigzags along the, uh, the south and the west sides, mm-hmm. uh, the faces of the building, just uh, sort of perched along the very edge and really gives you just a, a tremendous view the whole way along it, uh, right on over the top of the rest of city center and then out to the monument, to the, mm-hmm. the clock I mean, tower. I kind of feel like rooftops are like brunch. Like all of a sudden, these things that a, make a complete bit, sense. A bit in vogue. Yeah, yeah. They, but, but it makes complete sense. I mean, why would you have a hotel that has a roof with those kinds of views? I mean, imagine 
I, I can only imagine because I wasn't there, but imagine, you know, the fireworks display mm-hmm. on July 4th right, and the views and all that. Up. So what's oh, your last we're drink? We're wrapping you up, Nick. What well, is your last not drink? Not at all. The, uh, <laughs> the last drink is we're coming back to the these portable draft systems that okay. uh, I'm absolutely head over heels in love with for our newest draft cocktail offering that I just hooked the keg up this morning at about mm-hmm. 7 o'clock. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that'll be going on tonight. This is our Earl Grey vodka soda. Fabulous. Thank you so much. Okay, uh, this is David and Nikki Nellis. We'll be back in just a sec. We're going to be drinking wine. We're back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. I want to quickly thank our sponsors, uh, ProFish, the best sustainable seafood anywhere in America, for reals. Uh, the Ivy City Smokehouse, which takes that fresh, sustainable seafood and turns it into amazing meals uh, and smoked fish. Uh, meat crafters and Central Farm Markets. If you want to be a sponsor, contact Nikki. Uh, if you're not a sponsor, I can't imagine why not, but join us on that. So now we're going to go to our our friend, because today is National Pinot Noir Day. Woohoo! National yeah. Pinot Noir Day! Um, uh, Veronica V. Kunkel is a, uh, a master psalm, correct? No, no, no. No? He just, makes, he just makes it I up. thought I saw that in your He's stuff. He's it. No, I'm a, I'm a, a certified, certified psalm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I have the diploma from the Wine okay. and Spirit Education Trust. Mm-hmm. Glad that is behind well, me. Well, to somebody who doesn't know Diddly Squad, master certified, it's all the same. But it's not. But so. you've got uh, an event coming up that you're running that is pretty interesting. You want to talk about Somstock? I would love to. So my new business in Washington, D.C. and serving the D.C. area is Somstock. So www.somstock.com. Mm-hmm. And we are having a uh, California and Italian portfolio tasting with wines provided by one of my favorite small uh, importers and distributors, Potomac Selections. So mm-hmm. shout out to them. Mm-hmm. And we're going to be doing some fun varietals. And this is one that I'm going to include that you're tasting right now. Okay. It's Cortese. Mm-hmm. And Cortese is a white grape from northern Italy. And it is mostly known as Gavi to Gavi from, from the Piedmont region. That happens to be one of and, the few uh, things I do know about the, the, the northern wine. And, David, since you said in your in your your little quiz that I gave you about tasting profiles that you liked citrusy kind of uh, lemony wines, and so I decided to go in a different Aww, direction. Aw, is this for Blanc. me? It is, indeed. Instead of Nikki, I like that. Good. Thank you. Um, well, let's talk about that. So you did send David a questionnaire. Where did that come from? How did you come up with those questions, and why? Well, those questions are kind of ubiquitous to, you know, Wine 101 education, where you're trying to discern, you know, what people like texturally, what people like flavor-wise. And um, if you've ever heard of Madeline Paquette of Wine Folly, Mm -hmm. she incorporates a lot of those educational tools in her website, which is a great resource if you're you're just learning about wine. So it's a great great jumping off point to start. Mm -hmm. But it's interesting that you, I mean, I like, I tend toward reds because they have more tend to have more body for right. me and more, just more, you know, substance. Mm-hmm. But this is, it's like good enough to be a red. I mean, this has really solid taste. I love the aftertaste. It's citrusy. It's nice. I well, like I'm glad it. you like the texture. So this is from Jill and Steve Mathiason. Um, mm-hmm. They are renowned winemakers in Napa. And this is a little project they do in Clarksburg, which is um, east of Napa, kind of going towards Sacramento. But it, it's it's a southernmost point. And the, the fruit it produces is right, but they have cool uh, evening temperatures, so they have that diurnal shift that gives that crisp acidity. And they, they ferment with natural yeast in mm-hmm. in neutral barrel, and that's kind of what gives it that round texture. Very nice. It's really great. It's a nice little wine, and it's under $20. And this and, will – and this will. so who is Somstock for? Somstock is for um, – I've been in the, in the wine industry in D.C. for about 20 years, and I do events at law firms and nonprofits – 
and I showcase these wines and everybody wants the wines. Sure. And so now I brought some stock online so they can buy the wines from me online. And, and you know, our, our tagline is stellar wines delivered. So we want to bring the great wines that I find from these smaller producers, family owned estates and women winemakers uh, to the people. So that's my goal. What is it about women winemakers for you? For me, it's about leveling the playing field a little bit because there are so many women in enology school and there's still such a small percentage of the winemakers employed in this country right now. And so I just want to showcase what they're doing. So I, I think people are not really aware mm-hmm. that, that there's, you know, also this, um, you know, uneven or, or um, um, lack of, of equity in the wine world. And I just want to try to move the needle a little bit in my own way. So that's the goal. And who, like, let's talk about some of the women winemakers that you think are really doing remarkable work. Well, actually, I have a few here I wanted to mention. Um, Kathy Corison of Napa. I mean, she is mm-hmm. the OG of, right. of, of women winemakers. And she is very open about sharing her knowledge with others. Um, uh, Sally Johnson of Pride Mountain, mm-hmm. um, and Katie Carter. I don't really, you know, I haven't had her wines, but I'm looking forward to trying those. And then my my heart really is in in Italy, in Piemonte. And, That's uh, too. Well, not uh, Piemonte, but we're in Italy. Marina Marcarini of Punset, mm-hmm. um, just an amazing winemaker. And there are just so many, and I'm just trying to you know, as, as bringing this business online, trying to bring them to the forefront. And I did an educational tasting last month of women winemakers in the south of France. And it's just my, my passion to get people to understand the diversity of wine varietals and winemakers mm-hmm. uh, that we have access to in D.C. We are very lucky in D.C. because it is uh, there are not the barriers to develop a distributorship or importing that there are in a lot of other areas. Yeah, like look at Maryland. Like think about Maryland and the kind of wines very restaurants. Get, like Montgomery County is very restrictive. And what's expensive. going on at Pennsylvania in Pennsylvania with their liquor board? It's very hard to get exactly certain wines. And you know, it's what really drives people, that? Let's it's, talk well, about it's, but it's money. Post, it's post prohibition. All these. Well, I mean, is it like shelving laws. fees? Is it? Is it? I mean, what keeps some wines that should be in Maryland liquor stores out, or wine stores out. Well, it's the local laws that were designed post-prohibition, because when prohibition was instituted um, and then it was repealed, it was every region for itself. So that's why there's so many varying laws across the entire country. So was it to show preference for local providers? I mean, what, what... what was the benefit? The impetus at the time. I, I wouldn't know, you know, you were the exact not alive details. Then, no. I was not alive then. <laughs> no, no I was. I was. I was playing pro baseball at the time. Um, all right. So uh, uh, so let's talk about some of these events you have coming up because you have a couple, right? Yes. September 5th is the uh, portfolio, the Calatal Tasting, and that is at a nonprofit gallery, the Corner Store Art Gallery on okay. Capitol Hill. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's on Thursday night, 630 to, to 830. Okay. And people can just walk around and taste wines. Yeah, Tell it's going to be a walk around tasting. Mm-hmm. The tickets are for sale on our website um, at somstock.com and also on Eventbrite. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can find those tickets. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think we're going to have 40, 50 people, and it's going to be a walk around tasting. But it's for the public. It's not for like industry only, right? Correct, correct. No, okay. it's for, for my customer base. It's like an introduction to Somstock and what we're trying to do and mm-hmm. creating subscription services. And wine club membership. Excellent. Okay, so you have another wine. 
for us to taste. I what do. are we going to try? Two more wines. This oh, is two the, more wines. This well, it's National Pinot Noir Day, so I brought two Pinot Noir. We're gonna have to slug them down this here. Is, um, this is from Illahi. This is a, an organic production, um, and to me, this is the best. Willamette Valley value wine I have ever had. Pinot Noir, as you may or may not know, is a really difficult grape to grow. It's the most challenging, and it's a very delicate grape. Excuse me. Mm -hmm. And they produce this wine, and you can buy it for $25. I mean, that's unheard of for the level of this quality. Mm -hmm. So it sees a little bit of new oak, but it has those nuanced, rich red fruit flavors, Mm -hmm. um, and it's underpinned by some some baking spice that you get from the American oak that it sees. We're good. She can wrap up because we don't have to go back to next. The show's going to be over in two and a half minutes. Okay. And it's yummy. Okay, so tell people how they can get, like, how they can contact you, what they can do with you, like, as far as the subscription and stuff like that. Let's just give that a... I love it. Thank you. Yes, you can go on my website and uh, subscribe. Um, the The subscription boxes that we're putting together will be available after September 1st. Mm-hmm. So again, that's www.somstock.com. And we're also, uh, I'm also available to do educational events, tasting events. And that's primarily what I do. After I finished my wine education, I knew I wanted to... Um, you know, be outside of the the hospitality world in a in a formal restaurant. All right, Somstock.com has all the, your information, correct? Yes. All right, V. Great, you're Thank the best. You. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank so you. Much. I want to close out real quick with Nick Helberg. We got about a, a thirty okay. seconds. If we go to to the Conrad, and I mean, are you there and available to make suggestions? And I mean, are you are you? Can we find you? I generally am in, pretty findable in the restaurant in the bar. Uh, I'm always floating somewhere. Okay. I, I'm, I'm drifting between the bar, the dining room, and the rooftop. I've been very centered up on the rooftop since we opened because it's been such a, a crazy and amazing ride up there. Well, I'm um, not always comfortable, you know, and, I mean, with, with asking for advice, but I would love to come and have try, you know, five more. There's nothing drinks. that I enjoy more and nothing that the rest of my team enjoys more than guiding somebody on that okay, trip. Tell everybody where they can find the Conrad, please. You can find us at 950 New York Avenue Northwest, just on the north side of City Center. All right. Excellent. Thank you so much. We're going to wrap up uh, everything you heard about on the show today. You can find on Nikki's website, thelistareyouonit.com. Follow her on Twitter and Instagram and on WTOP. Yep. So that's at Nikki Nellis, N-Y-C-C-I-N-E-L-L-I-S, and the list, com. We want to thank all of our guests for coming in studio today. Of course, you can find everything we discussed here in studio on the list, com, or of course, if you follow me on social media. Next week is going to be equally delicious. We're going to be talking gelato because there is a gelato festival Daddy coming to town. Daddy loves gelati. Nobody cares what Daddy wants. Daddy and wants gelati. we'll be doing gin and tonics because that experience is happening at Ashok Bajaj. Is Olivia. Shook Bajajes. It's hard Olivia. to say. You say it three times fast. Shook anyway, Bajajes. I can say stop it. Stop speaking. Thanks so much for joining us today. Everybody, please have a delicious week. 